We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to issue 584 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Beanerita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashtani. And we are joined this week by two awesome guests, uh, Andrew Constant and Nicholas Scott, who are writer and artist on the current uh, Future State Nightwing for DC, which is fucking righteous. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, no, I just got to jump right into that part. Yeah. Let's just fucking, yeah, let's just get the swears up and running straight away. Oh, I, like I said, uh, the quick little pre-show, we warned everyone on the show last week that, uh, I mean, if <laughs> Australians are, will be present. Yeah, I think I said, I said, we're going to have a couple of Aussies, so they quote, the cunts will be flying. Oh, yes, they will. Thick and fucking fast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that Cable and I had the same reaction to that. <laughs> you just went did, did the the flying yeah. hands. Yeah. yeah. Do we just do flying? Also, Nightwing. So you know. Well, right. I don't. I, I don't have a different way to visualize a flying cunt. So. I've never <laughs> had to visualize one before. So this is all new experiences today. Man, that sounds like a really cool kung fu movie, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what this year approval will be, but I'll be fascinated to be in that meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. Uh, so how are things going for uh, in, in the other side of the planet for you all right now? We're good. We're generally COVID's pretty much knock on wood repre- uh, suppressed, not repressed, but you know, that's a different story. Uh, suppressed right now. We're going about ourselves using safety protocols. We're actually doing a convention in a month's time. What? Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh, we what already would that be sign. like? We did a signing last week as well. Um, that was COVID safe with masks and wash because we haven't had a case in our state in um, fourteen days now. So you know, so so that's what a, a that's what a functional government looks like. Then that's what it does. That's kind of how it works out. Yeah, but you a little bit. In, we've got some yeah. we've got some protocols in place that are kind of. Uh, keeping us generally safe, but also anytime there is any kind of outbreak, um, our, our sort of state governments and our uh, uh, federal governments are kind of really enforcing pretty serious lockdowns yeah, yeah. Uh, 
generally, you know, not all not all of the the uh, government groups are not as, as great people. as yes, yeah. they're not created <laughs> equal, yeah. But right. um, for the most our, part, yes, there's been pretty hard lockdowns. Yeah, um, what's surprising in Australia as well is we have our right wing governments in right right now, yeah, and they've actually been quite good as well at policing um, health protocols, which is which surprised the shit out of me. Though I'm not a fan of them because you know, you know lefty for life. You know, they've done okay. Right. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine what that must feel like. We've got a couple of listeners that also live in New Zealand, and they've been, they were sending me pictures in November. (laughs) What are you of them outside having a barbecue? And I'm like, what's that like? He's like, that's what it's like. We don't have a case for like four months. I was like, fuck. Yeah, can we all have Jacinda Ardern as like Empress of the World, please? (laughs) Yes, that would be totally fine with me. We, we we had a case in the state across the other side of Australia last, last week, just one, and they locked down the entire capital and all surrounding cities as well for five days, hard lockdown straight away. Oh, priest. No one's yeah. fucking about. I mean, also, here. yeah, we, we haven't really had, like, sort of safety protocols like wearing a mask politicised at all. You know, it's just a... Uh, a thing that everyone's just shutting up and doing, you know. It's what like a yep, magical wonderland. <laughs> I know. Sorry, but we you, do you have can't... like every insect and every animal that wants to kill you. So, you oh, know, right, at your own risk. I mean, I kind of think I would take that now. I used to be terrified of Australia because it's the weaponized continent. But at least all those things, theoretically, you can see coming. You say that, yeah. but I, I saw a YouTube viral video just the other day where a, a girl's bedroom had too many spiders. And it was literally wall to wall spiders. No, where oh, no. was this? This is somewhere in Australia. It's a pretty serious video. It looks insane. But yeah. don't show that to me, please. Don't yeah, ever, don't ever. No, 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 show it to her. Show it to her now. Just freak her don't out. Don't be an asshole. Don't show. <laughs> nope. Nope. How do I not be an asshole? Um, if, but we just use animals over here just to cull the weak. Like it's <laughs> really, it's it's not that we don't like weak people here it's just that nature has a place for you and that's in animal stomachs (laughs) i think my favorite viral video is of the guy parachuting into land getting immediately punched in the face by a kangaroo (laughs) (laughs) kangaroo's kind of bouncing up to meet him on the ground and just goes boof right in the face it wasn't even a big, big red. He got like shit mixed by this like little fucking Joey. Like he just walked up, and went, hey, <laughs> yeah, a little gray one. Guy, guy just went, yeah, testicles, thanks. Boom, two in there, and the guy's like, fuck off. Like it was the most strange video of all time. I think the reason that now, like when you weigh the two options, yeah. the the you know killer continents now seems more appealing versus politicizing masks because you. <laughs> You, I mean, you. Who's going to try to reason with a kangaroo for punching you? You yeah, can't. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You just. There is nothing to be reasoned with. So <laughs> that just that just is what it is. But yeah. people who don't think you should have to wear a mask are someone that you, in theory, should be able to rationalize and reason with, and yeah, it's just not working. Don't and that's waste just, any of your energy arguing yeah. with them because yeah. it's not worth it. They're they're not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're not interested in hearing a counter argument and also they're only interested in having your attention and rowling you up right yep and also kangaroos are not armed to the teeth and most of our anti-mask people are that seems to go hand in hand really well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. what a nightmare what a nightmare 
I'm I'm sorry for all of our friends. <laughs> I know. Know, know, I feel like every I'm, time like, we hear any news, we're like, "What is happening over there?" What I think I'm happening? bringing the show down now. Like, <laughs> let me tell you everything else that sucks over here. Well, I think it's a perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about Dick perfect. instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> intro to future state, though. Let's talk about the pressing shit. Oh, here's a whole comic book based around the military fucking force. I was about to say, let's go from a modern apocalyptic to a uh, future apocalyptic uh, with what's going on in Gotham and future state. It does sound like Portland six months ago, though. Oh, you didn't, hear that, you're, you didn't hear that Portland's a dying city now? I think Forbes just told the whole world that we're dead. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Forbes. Yeah. 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 Well, how are you a dying city? No, I'm curious about this now. Fuck the comic. How are you a dying city? They just said that because of the issues with all the protests and that our houseless problem is so high and that businesses are shutting down and that our city government is doing nothing, mainly because Ted Wheeler's a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my oh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. So that write-up was done by some like corporate dude who lives in Lake Oswego. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Lake Oswego is a really bougie, rich suburb of Portland. It's not the city, but this guy who lives in the suburbs wrote a whole piece about these things, these reasons why Portland is literally dying compared us to Pompeii. And one of the things that he complained was not like, not just that there is a homeless problem, but how visible it is. The oh, little yeah. the, the, the uh, explanation uh, he said is you could used to be able to walk from this part of downtown to the stadium uh, that had our you know exciting new sports team, and be totally fine. But now if you make that trek, all you see is homeless people. So he's, uh, he's upset because you can see the homeless people, not the fact that there are people who need help. The fact that he has uh, to look at them. Yeah, what I, an I can, asshole! I can Dude, fix your that. white privilege is showing. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can fix that homeless problem using like us. We go. Yeah. That we just move them all into the houses that are there and eat the rich yeah. people that are living there currently. Right. Tasty. Well, there's, there's, an entire, style. there's an entire apartment complex in yeah. Lake Oswego. I think it might have been turned into condos because I'd right. lived there for about a year and we lived in this apartment complex. It was amazingly affordable. Granted, that was 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Right. But half of those apartment buildings were unoccupied. They were owned but they were unoccupied because it was the right. only apartment complex on the lake itself that had uh, lake rights. So if you didn't have lake rights, you actually weren't allowed right. to use the lake wow. of Lake Oswego was named after. If you oh, if great. you rented that apartment, you had lake rights. So you had rich people renting an empty apartment just so they could launch their boats. I hate those people. I yeah. hate mm-hmm. them. Yeah. They just, so yeah. They just don't sound like they're made for the anarchist state really do they like they're not no they're not. no no, no. Oh. no they're, they're the first ones to get shot in the year three thousand fucking movies i'm sure are gonna the big red film right. is gonna make mm-hmm. that forbes asshole sounds like you know he he sees the city is dying it sounds like it's getting its fucking groove back Fingers oh yeah crossed. Yes. <laughs> yeah that's the plan um but anyway <laughs> back, to a pos- back to police control Gotham. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, right off the bat, like, what attracted both of you to uh, do this project? Um, I've always loved Nightwing. Nightwing was when I decided to become a quote-unquote comic book writer. Nightwing was actually the first um, trial script or first um, 
practice script I ever did was for a Nightwing character, basically. Well, for, not, for, for Dick. I've got to get used to saying that without smirking. Um, and I've always wanted, wanted writing point blank, basically. And I like the look of the idea of future state, and it seems to have done re- really well in pra- practice. Yeah, it was just, it was honestly just a complete fucking no-brainer. I get right. to play with Grayson, which was, yeah. And, of course, Nick Nicklear as well. So, yeah, fucking who wouldn't, basically? Yeah, we, I, it was one of those projects that was kind of um, presented as here's this concept that we're doing, and the concept itself was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's always it's always a bit of a buzz when there's the opportunity to work with another Australian. And Andrew and I had worked together uh 15 16 years ago like ages and ages and ages ago before i was working at dc um we did a proof of concept together for one of andrew's original ideas and um almost immediately i got my job at dc and we haven't sort of really had an opportunity to work together since so we've been looking for these sort of windows these accessible windows of of uh you know, either of us being available and the right kind of project to come up. And we were, when we were approached by our editor, Jess Chen, about this idea, we're both like, oh shit, yes, because we both love <laughs> Nightwing. Right. In a, and we both have a kind of pretty similar idea of who he is as a person and his status amongst his community and such that um, it just made for a really sort of an easy sell pitch. Um, right to us and then you know andrew pitched this sort of great idea um and you know i i've kind of loved his script writing for a long time so it's kind of really exciting to um finally get this opportunity to work on a character that we both love uh together nice um so what was your all's approach to like um i don't know finding 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 grayson's voice because i think one of the things I've always enjoyed about Dick Grayson first is like Robin and then, you know, Nightwing or whatever, is that to me personally, he's always kind of felt like, like the unsung heart of the DCU. Like yeah. everyone, Grayson's always the one you want to come over with. You want to come over with a six pack and a pizza right. and just, you just, if you need to fucking talk to someone, he's going to be there for you with like every single time. Most, yeah. He's one of the most accessible characters uh, yeah. in the entire DCU. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the way I actually wrote him in the book as well. I actually make, and I won't say what, because spoilers, as the kids say, um, I won't actually say what I did, but in issue two, um, we allude to the fact that how important he is for everyone else in the DCU water. And I agree with you completely, completely. Like he is one of the biggest, the spirit of the DCU, like mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. he is, the, he is the main guy for every for so many people as well. Um, and we really did try to highlight that, but also as well, just portray um, Dick as being, you know, he's not dark. Like he's not a brooding Bruce. Like no one can be Bruce. Bruce is one of one. Like he's the guy. Says, <laughs> how's how how's your day? And he'll just go mm. like you know he's he's taciturn to the point of being rigor mortis. But <laughs> right. you know. We um we allow Dick to be a little bit more grown up and go back to some of the earlier adventures he did, where he was a little bit more like not bitter, but like burdened by being 
um, Bruce's son and burdened by the future of the role and burdened by the shell of that. But um, he's still like, you know, he's still at his core, like a true good hero, basically. Right. And that shines through. And I've, and I've always liked, and it seems like Future State's kind of shown this too, is that there have been times he's kind of, he's worn the mantle because he's had to, yeah. but he's never, he's never really wanted it. No. You know, and I think that's an interesting part of his character. Yeah, look, the last time he did was when the Morrison run with uh, Batman and Damien. Um, mm-hmm. And that was great. Like, I love a little sociopath. I, I like a good sociopath. I like <laughs> I like Etrigan. I like Damien. I think they really work well together. But, yeah, Nightwing never wanted to be dad. Nightwing always wanted to be Dick. So, you know, it makes He's a big sense. brother character. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so so it makes sense that he continues to wear his own mantle if given the opportunity, basically. So, like, where's he at now? Like in this, in like within the realms of future state. Um, so Cable and I talked a little bit before you guys signed on. We're just now right. catching up with what's what what kind of kicked off future state. Also, right. okay, so we're kind of playing catch up a little bit. <laughs> where's he at? Um, He's got his back up against the fucking wall. Um, Future State or the magistrate's based in charge of Gotham there. Um, They're doing a really good job of suppressing all um, masked heroes and villains, basically, and he's trying to fight a rearguard action with the heroes that are still still around. And um, he's doing it fucking tough. He's really having a hard time with it, basically. But um, he is trying his best. He is making some inroads. But he's got a long way to go, as the issue shows. Right. Yeah. The context that we we were given for the for Gotham was that you know it it is this sort of militarized police state um, mm. at the moment, and all the all the heroes are kind of vigilante outlaws and are being hunted down. And so that was kind of the here's here's the idea, you know, go. Um, and Andrew sort of pitched this great idea of, of uh, you know, sort of keeping in mind what his status would be amongst the heroes. But uh, as you'll sort of see as the second issue comes out, our whole story takes place in one night as Dick kind of prepares to bring everything to a head. Um, and essentially that's kind of where we leave off at the end of issue one. Yeah. Nice. What was your, uh, some of your, uh, Nicholas, some of your inspiration to kind of redesign, redesign the outfit? Was that maybe something came down on high or you're like, if we're going to do this, let me play around with it. Well, no, the first thing that I had to do was produce a cover and design his outfit. And by this stage, uh, a, a Peacekeeper one had been designed, the sort of sentient robot, thingy sentinels i don't know what they're called uh they were designed um i think a couple of the sort of batgirl characters were designed it took okay. a while before i saw a barbara design but there was a, a cassandra and a couple of others um and i knew that i wanted to keep the sort of sleekness of his Sort of spandex onesie because he's a gymnast he's got to be able to move around right um but everyone's kind of armored up and you know that was kind of the the gist of every of everyone's design was that 
there was sort of a lot more layers going on. And we had to keep in mind that these guys were now outlaws rather than superheroes. Um, so there was a lot of sort of little face masks and hoods and all this kind of business going on. And for me, I kind of wanted to find a silhouette that worked with how physical he requires, he, he needs to be while sort of pulling some of his sort of older design aspects in. And so I kind of went with like a gridiron player silhouette, you know, sort mm-hmm. of stuff up top that he can use for, you know, being a little bit more roughhouse uh, on the ground when required, right. but won't necessarily get in the way of him flipping all over the place. Um, and so that was kind of the idea for the silhouette. And then when it came down to the details, sort of just sort of pulling it away from the body. So it's like something on top of a spandex onesie uh, that has sort of, you know, a little more Kevlar put into it. Um, you know, I was kind of using elements from his sort of original Nightwing designs those first couple of years, like the disco outfit and the post-disco outfit. With the where, yellow? You know, that... the, yeah, yeah, where there is sort of like, um, you know, like solid pieces making up these sort of bird wing things on his chest right that that could sort of be part of his armor casing um and my my kind of idea behind it and it's not necessarily something that we that the story is about so it's really just sort of my my concept behind it is that he has he still has incredible resources because he's him but he doesn't have the same resources he would have if bruce was around you know he's not in the cave um by the way yeah he's an arkham that's fucking metal by the way yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> i i stuck him in the morgue you know sort of like in, yeah. in the in the morgue of the the of arkham but just sort of like his his armor would be a little bit sort of prefabbed from you know the the resources that he has but also maybe pulling in like old bits of utility belt that it's sort of <laughs> a little bit done on the fly because he's having to literally do a lot of it himself rather than rely on Alfred, rely on Bruce, rely on the sort of infrastructure of superhero, right? you know, suit and equipment creation. You can't have that part where he calls Bruce and says, hey, can you have Lucius make us something really quick? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's sort of elements of stuff that he can 3D print himself and there's elements of stuff that he's just sort of had to pull together from old bits and pieces. Yeah. I think it comes together pretty nicely. You know, you've got the Thanks. you've got the the spandexy, you know, minimalist, agile, like definitely designed for movement and yeah. sort of you can you can I wouldn't say cobble together, but just like sort of bare bones on the more armor like pieces. And definitely, you don't have a full utility belt. He's got just a couple odds and ends here, just, just the necessities. Yeah. yeah, he needs a little more on him than he would have if he was just Nightwing about, yeah. you know, knowing that there's a Robin around the corner and there's a Bruce up there. And, you know, he doesn't often get around with a utility belt. He's got sort of like little pouches. And right. this time he just needs a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I and I like how it visually kind of suggests that, yeah, he's still Dick Grayson. He's still the acrobatic fighter, but he's got some years on him now. So he kind of yeah. needs yeah. to re he knows that he can't land as well as he used to. The punches are going to feel a little bit more now, so he's got to acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he's got to yeah. he's got to protect his body a little. Yeah, 
knee, knee pads for sure. <laughs> it's it's also all business up the top and but and party down the bottom as well because he has to. Um, um, it was important for the story as well because you see what ha- happens in the first few pages about the misdirection, the nanotech being shot. Mm-hmm. We had to make certain as well that it was armoured up so that whole plot device, like when I went in there, I already had the idea of Ark- Arkham Asylum and how we get the lead into Arkham Asylum as well. So it was, and once I saw Nick's design, I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? I saw Nick's design, I went, oh, well, fuck, Nick already thought of that. That's of course, because it's Nick's <laughs> stuff. So, you know, so it was easy then to lead into the Arkham thing, which I was... You know, I've always wanted to write a story in Arkham as well. So I was like, oh, I get to do this. This is like two thumbs up now. And, um, yeah, no, it was it was such a fucking good outfit as well. And we get to see more of what it can do in issue two, which will be really, really fucking cool. And it was the favourite thing I wrote for the two issues. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, this. I mean, it looks like from that last page, you know, I, I feel like we're going to kind of get like, you know, Die Hard in the ruins of fucking Arkham. I was yeah, thinking of the raid or the raid. Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of really heavy, aggressive Norwegian metal when I wrote it. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was. I was. I was listening to a lot of ACDC and you know a bit of health and modern punk and just like yeah, fuck the man. So there's a bit of that. Just writing a punch scene right as Thunderstruck comes slamming on your speakers. <laughs> No, that that sounds corny. I would never do that. That would not. <laughs> I wouldn't set up to time that at all. No, <laughs> no, no writer would ever do something that weird uh, and dirty. No, not here. <laughs> uh, I had a question and just completely went away there for a minute. Was it about butts? Uh, <laughs> no, but if you'd like to ask her about butts, fire away. <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about the shower scene and then the post shower fight scene. Oh, that was uh, Nick, I'm going to assume that was all your idea. Uh, no, like Andrew had said right at the beginning before he started writing the issue, we're going to have to put in a gratuitous butt shot just because you're drawing the book. So it was like, thank you. Um, and <laughs> yeah. he then sort of said, "Oh, I've got this great idea for a shower scene." Yeah, and Andrew, you wrote it. You you, you took. Yes, I'll be really quick because I do want to hear about Nick, Nick and Butts, but I'll be really really quick and talk about <laughs> the just for a second. Um, yeah, look, I always knew that part of his appeal is the fact he's he's a really fit, attractive man. Like you know, you can't get away away from that. And to deny that would deny what the fans have come to love over the past, you know fucking however long time is amorphous now with post-COVID world but um, fans love Nightwing for his appearance so, but I didn't want it to be like just a, like you know like here's some shower can I want it to be an important part of the plot so it's a chance for Nightwing to de- decompress for us to see the weight of what actually occurs to him but also give us a vulnerable moment as well so when we see uh, Batman or next Batman come in, there's Dick looks like he's at a disadvantage, but we get to see, you, you know, no matter what Dick is up to there, he can find a way out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah that, 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 <laughs> that fight scene uh, that's immediately after the shower scene, that was originally scripted as being naked. That he's just naked the whole time. Oh, who put um, the kibosh on that? 
Yeah, well, I, I, I drew it as such. Yeah, I did draw it as such, but I felt like because it kind of ends with him on the ground um, with a oh. smirk on his face, we were both just sort of uh, uh, the, like the editor and Andrew and myself were just sort of like, this is a little too much. It's kind of like milking milking the cow a little too much. So maybe maybe we'll just wrap a towel around him. So I sort of did some little fudges to wrap a towel around him. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's like it's it's unavoidable because he wears spandex and he doesn't have a cape. Um, but it's also just sort of become a little bit part of my legacy um, with that character that uh, it's got to be a little bit gratuitous. Just a well, little bit. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have, bit. you gotta have some cheesecake. There's nothing wrong with that. It's delicious. This is 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but it's, it's not so much like sometimes, and I do love it as well. Like sometimes, sometimes I feel like if people like cheese, cheesecake, then Nightwing is a cheesecake factory that's four stories <laughs> high, high. That's like just that. like 24 seven. Like, you know, there's always, he's always good for someone's first crush. Right. Well, and cheesecake and gratuitous shots aside, it's a good tight little nine panel sequence. Yeah, I. Yeah, thank I, you. Yeah, we we I. With superhero action as well, like especially with two people as well as equipped as what Nightwing and Batman are, you really have to play it fast and hard. Because they're not going to fuck around. It's not going to be like people go, oh, we've got to be really like, you know, it's going to go. No, they're going to fuck each other up really fucking quickly because there's no other way. Yeah. There's no, they're too experienced to hang around that fight. So, you know, right. and that yeah. way we get to the meat of the store story, which is, and what I think the real fight fight is, and I like that fight, I really do. And Nick made it really fucking work, um, is those two then having that little back and forth when Batman's all tight tied up and you get to actually see what is going on between the two of them like you get to actually Mm -hmm. see that they're actually quite smart there's different levels to the conversation Mm -hmm. as well and i actually think that's the real battle in the book basically yeah yeah and and i love that scene where like you know dick says like i'm not going to take the mask off you like yeah you're you're who you say you are and i get it like i'm not gonna (laughs) which also goes to it goes back to that whole thing of like out of much, out of almost all the Bat family, he's the one that's the least precious about that cow. It's like, look, whatever, whatever. you're wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, if you say you're Batman, okay, you better keep up. But yeah, I think that just you're... goes back to the point of what Andrew was talking about, about how he was writing Dick, is that gets across that you understand who the character is and that's who you're yeah. presenting him as. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been around. Almost like not just literally, you know, 80 years, but in the hero world, he's been around only a few years less than Batman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's been, you know, on the front line of experiencing most of Batman's experiences. So mm-hmm. he is one incredibly equipped and uh, strategic and well, well experienced is the only word I can come up with. He's just what? one of the most well experienced yeah. uh, heroes He's very experienced. out there. I also so like, it makes yeah. sense. I also like my heroes to be smart. Like it was very important <laughs> for me when I was writing this book, the first draft, as well as that Nightwing is inc- 
incredibly smart. He's Batman smart. So riding a smart superhero as well with other smart superheroes is, well, it should be. It has to be fucking hard to do. Otherwise, it's just going to be A to B to C. And I didn't want that for Dick. I wanted him to, you know, to have a platform to show, like he has for most of his adventures well for, you you know, most of the time, I didn't want to let the side down by showing a dumber dick, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say dick a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and he's smart and he's empathetic. He's he's a sort of really, that's part of what makes him so approachable. Yeah, he's that good. He's not just stoic. He's, yeah, yeah it's, He's very, very good. But, but he is stoic as well, and that's the thing. We get to see him as both stoic and also as well to go beyond that and go, well, there's still the old dick underneath. He just has to be a bit fucking harder now. Right. Well, and it shows that, like, he's taken kind of the best lessons from Bruce. You know, the the learning, outsmarting your opponents, but he's not an asshole about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, exactly. yeah. Imagine being Bruce's son Sunday. Look, I love my dad, but he's a bit of a doofus. A bit lot. of a liar. Yeah. Like, you know, hug me, dad. Like, you know. <laughs> right. I think that really comes across in that scene where he's talking to uh, Barbara Gordon Beckerall. Uh, you know, he talks about like, well, we are his legacy. Like what we do reflects yeah. on him. And you really pick up on that sort of basically father-son relationship and how they are similar but different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I really loved that scene. The dialogue in that scene is really sort of, it's really touching um, because he's sort of, had to take on the status without yeah. necessarily taking on the cowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but his his approach has always been to be everyone's big brother as opposed to attempt to be anybody's father figure. Mm-hmm. Right. And you really get that in his face too. When he, right when they're signing off, you, you get that one shot of his face and you can see it's, he's tired, he's emotional, but there's there's still work to be done. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my favorite things about the art in this particular book, Nicola, is the fact that I recognize all of it as your work. Oh, yeah. But it's still different. Like, it's definitely different than uh, what I'm used to in Black Magic. Definitely different than Oh yeah. Um, Secret Six. This was much more cinematic. Like, it oh, felt... Yeah? yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, thanks. I, I really enjoyed that. The, I, I like it. I like seeing evolution in artists' work, and this was definitely an, an evolution in yours, I thought. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, look, I do approach every different story that I get the chance to work on um, like its own beast. You know, I know I know what are my consistent style choices um, along the way. I know, I, I know that my art continues to be recognisable, but... Uh, with each story sort of comes its own specific context and I try to sort of really draw for the context. So, you know, when I'm doing uh, like Earth 2, uh, that was very sort of testosterone-y, uh, devastation nonstop, everyone is roided <laughs> up. Um, and it was bold all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because the story was and the context was and the stakes were ridiculous mm-hmm. and I I did a lot of, I had the characters doing a lot of what I call leg spread acting where they're sort of standing with their legs a little bit too far <laughs> apart, you know, because they're mm-hmm. in, in action status all the time, <laughs> which is very different to how I was approaching, you know, something like Secret Six where 
they're barely ever summoning the energy to be in hero poses. They're almost always laconic and lazy and, uh, you know, just sort of standing there with maybe with a cigarette going, what, you know, (laughs) they're in a perpetual Um, state of a hung of a hangover. Yeah. And so sort of, you know, whenever I get a chance to work on a book, it's kind of fun to sort of work out what works for, uh, the context of this story. Um, you know, I, I drew Wonder Woman like it was an all ages book. I, I paint black magic like it's a definitely an adult book. Um, and with Nightwing, um, it was kind of this interesting uh, balance because I find it just too easy to fall into the habit of doing sort of grittiness when you're dealing with Gotham City because it's such an ancient city mm-hmm. um, and having to constantly be reminded by my editor that half the city has been rebuilt and it's all sort of neo-punk sort of future stuff. And it's like, oh, fuck, well, yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> I've got to reduce some of those um, gothic uh, uh, architectural details or at least have those those older buildings being dwarfed by sort of giant modern monstrosities. Yeah. Just watch, um, it, watch some episodes of Batman Beyond kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so sort of finding that fine line between those and sort of making sure that Dick felt like a gritty character within this context, especially, you know, next to all of these sort of um, uh, robot characters and, and characters with sort of cybernetic uh, uh, additions mm-hmm. and such. Uh, we, have a, we had a question in the chat that I think could answer for, for both of you, but I think especially uh, Andrew. Um, how much of a, um, what it's our listener Hisham, um, how much coordination has there been with all the uh, future state books, especially any of the bat related titles, do you kind of, are you all kind of playing on your own Island or you're having to work with a larger structure, a larger arc? Um, editorial from the, from Jess and um, Ben Mears as well um, has been really smooth. Like they've really, I haven't seen much of the, I'm sure there is, but it's a huge event. I'm sure there's lots of ducks furiously paddling under the water there, but all we've basically been told is given the outline there um what they'd like us to do and then we've gone away and come back with the story which we want 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 to do and they've said yeah that sounds great it's it's like to give a non-answer here i haven't seen it and it's been really fucking easy basically which is kind of nice because you hear a lot of these kind of these event tile books can kind of be a nightmare sometimes for from a coordination and from that yeah Look, but I, I think they had a really clear objective there. They just wanted good sto- stories first, and they let, let us run. And hopefully we did not screw the pooch. Well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's as been that, great. As that great modern philosopher, philosopher RuPaul says, don't fuck it up. And that's, right. that's first and foremost. I go in there and try not to fuck things up. And from there, if I do anything better, it's always like, well, this is good. Um, right. And also work with Nicholas Scott as well. You know, you even if you do like slip on the banana peel, that um, she'll make you look good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just really curious too. That scene with uh, with uh, with Dick in the morgue, looking at that screen, talking to Babs. Uh, are the characters shown on there? Is that intentional in terms of a story, or was it just a 
hey, apart from Babs, here are the fun people we want to see in slightly future versions. Because I, I'm seeing it looks like a like a man bat, a two faced vixen, and it looks like a huntress. Wait and see. Ah, I'm not telling you shit. You yeah. have to pick up yeah. issue two, like all the other good people out there. Well, that's going to happen. That seems reasonable. <laughs> um, so yeah, cool. Well, Nightwing issue one came out last week, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. And it's uh, these are monthly; they're not bi-weekly. True. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah. Well, definitely looking forward to the rest of the story. And you guys kind of got me hooked on some of the other future state stuff that I'm going to jump on now too. So. Oh, awesome. I've been so painfully that's, that's behind all my superhero books. Yeah, no, no, they got me. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it, B, because, like, I know I said at the start, but Nightwing has always been my guy. Like, like, you know, he's one of the top five characters I've always wanted to write, DDC. And, yeah, I, I really feel like we've written a really good future, you know, cyberpunk-esque dark world sto- story for... One, one of the best guys in the DC game. Right. Yeah, yeah there's absolutely. some definitely Night City vibes to it. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, and I see, I the, and I see the Blade Runner poster behind you, too. So, Look, I've got a Blade Runner. I've got a Batman right there. I'll see if I can pull, push the cross. Can we see that one? Oh, I know mm-hmm. that one. And also a Nick Cave poster because I'm just a young punk at four years old. So. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's right. That's right, because I think the first time we ever met, I, I bummed you out when I told you Soldier was in the same universe as Blade Runner. I think I punched you. I think I wanted to punch you. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to punch me. but I wanted to really hit you, and I still do it all the time when you say stuff like that. You well, good, job, good job reminding him of, uh, of his wanting to punch you. Yeah, it's been good. Thanks, man. That's, that's good. I'm yeah. now going to have violent urges all day long. Not yeah, but me. I think then I bought you a beer so that it was all forgiven or something. And then we got drunk, and then we bought more, more beers. And that was <laughs> Right, totally. So, what else, uh, what do you have? What both of you have on the horizon? Is there other things you can talk about? Oh, uh, look, I fucked this up in the past, and I've got no solicits out yet, so I'm not going <laughs> to mention anything and then just go, "Oh, look, there it goes." Bye. Um, <laughs> I've got my creator own stuff in Australia still. I still write some Phantom down here as well, um, but for new work, I'm going to have to put it under once the solicit comes out, then like we'll start talking about it again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I get, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, Nicola, what do you got coming up? I know there's probably going to be some more black magic in the. There will be some more black magic when <laughs> yeah, Greg and I uh, get it together. Um, it's just been loads of distractions for the last few years. You know, he's had so much film and TV stuff going on and uh, we've moved out of Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was sort of lo- lots of things happening for the last couple of years. And hopefully we this year we will get a really decent concentrated period of time to work on the next arc because we're now, I think, at like the halfway point. Um with the latest trade that just came out last week, I think we're, I think we're actually at the halfway point of our story. So it's taken us five years to get here, which is ridiculous. But uh, hopefully, the the next fifteen issues won't take quite as long. Fingers crossed. Well, hopefully there won't Fingers be a, crossed. there won't be a new pandemic to also throw things off. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, tell me about I'm it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and besides that, there's sort of other bits and pieces. You know, there's always something swirling in the air uh, that either 
isn't locked down yet or isn't announced yet or uh, is something that's just sort of been floated as an idea and I'm trying to work out if I can fit it into the schedule. So cool. we'll see. Yeah, we're excited. Well, yeah, well, Andrew, uh, Nicola, thanks for popping on the show. I know it's the middle of the day for you, for uh, both of you over there. I had to do, the sure I had to do the world clock thing. I was like, okay, it's tomorrow. For <laughs> Don't that. do that. No, yeah. no, that, that's our job. We do the world clock thing because we talk to <laughs> Americans all the time and we run off your time. Hail cultural imperialism. Um, <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to end this little spot. But no, seriously, it was great. We got to have you on again sometime soon whenever the new projects come out or if you ever just want to hang oh, out man. and just swear on a camera. Yes, fuck, please. Right? Always. Yeah. yeah, fuck you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, mate. Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Good seeing you both. <laughs> Take it Bye. easy. Bye. 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 That was awesome. Oh, boy. You know what wasn't awesome? What's that? Was that I didn't hit record until 23 minutes in. Oh, no. It's fine. But thankfully, I have never been more happy for streaming on YouTube. I can pull the audio from that and sync them up. That's I was fantastic. just going to say, oof. It's yeah. still kind of like, oh, God. But, I, yeah. I, I had that too. I, I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, I clicked live. I feel like I forgot a step and I looked down and that little icon didn't say stop pause recording. It said record. I was like, oh, oh. I thought I thought I saw something change at the top of the Zoom screen and I saw you making mm-hmm. a face like, son of a bitch. Yeah, but let's hear it for the YouTube stream. I can pull the audio from that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer Norm's question. If... There oh. is a secret gallery. It's a secret. <laughs> uh, um, and and two, I I think that's a fun question for us: is who in the Bat Family do we think has the best music collection? So this is the perfect time to pop on in with a word from our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics, thirty-seven twenty-five North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. So if you enjoyed our interview with Andrew and Nicola, and I am pretty sure you did, and their Nightwing story sounds cool, you can get it at Bridge City Comics. Just go there. If they have any on the shelf, uh, snag those. But if they have sold out already, you can ask Michael if he can place an order to get some more in. But the best way to never miss out is to open a subscription box. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, all they ask is that you at least pick up your books at least once a month so they're not sitting on stock that they have put their money out for. Uh, you can get all kinds of books from our guests there. Um, Andrew also wrote a Demon miniseries for DC. I think that was last year. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure you can get the trade of that. And, of course, all of the work Nicola does on uh, Black Magic and some of her Wonder Woman work is all available in trade format and single issues at Bridge City Comics. So go there, check them out. You've heard the creators. Now buy their books. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue or find them also online at bridgecitycomics.com. And then next up, of course, is Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, there's something about a big game happening on this Sunday. Um, I'm not sure what it is because I haven't heard about any magic tournament since we can't play in large groups anymore. And I don't think Critical, uh, you know, Critical Hit is streaming anything on Sunday. So I don't know what this big game is they speak about. I get all my big games. <laughs> I hate it when I laugh at my own jokes. I get all my own big games at Guardian Games. 
345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when I mean big, like I sometimes mean literally big. I think they got in a new stock, a restock in of Gloomhaven. So if you've never played a, played a board game that weighs almost 40 pounds, uh, you don't know what you're missing out on. Um, so yeah, check them out. They also have all of the role-playing games you might want to enjoy from all kinds of genres. If you are a fan of The Expanse, and I'm guessing a lot of folks listening to this are, there is an Expanse RPG out there. Um, co-designed by uh, James S.A. Corey, the people behind the books and producers on the show. It's really cool. So check it out. What I'm saying is no matter what kind of game you're into, Guardian Games is going to have it. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You can also find them at guardiangames.com. And then before we get back, a huge shout out, as always, to RevNat, who in this new year continues to supply us with equipment so that we can remote these shows from our various... Uh, COVID-free bunkers where we hide from the world, unlike our Australian guests who now get to enjoy life um, because they have a government that functions and people that, you know, believe in science. So until America believes in science again, uh, thanks to RevNat for giving us equipment. Woo, what a weird way to end it. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Oh, man. Oh, I did see that one, and I'm almost uh, um, sorry we didn't get to actually put it to them. But I... Uh, I did also see someone, um, who was it? Was it Zach? Oh, dang it. The chat's moving a little fast for me. Um, Zach was talking about uh, uh, we needed a hipster Riddler. Oh, right. Um, So it was before that. uh, But basically, whoever said it was, and I think it was Zach, was that they would say Batman. I'm assuming because of all of the resources. But, um, but. Uh, he posits that, like, really, he would just do it, like, just, like, have all of the music so that Riddler can never get one past him. Yeah, Bruce listens to all the music so that he can... St- With Bruce, everything is kind of, how can I weaponize it? Because he's got that singular obsession. I think mm-hmm. it, it, he would have the most exhaustive music collection. I don't know that it's necessarily the best, yeah. but he would have everything. Right. Um, I mean, it, I guess it would determine what you consider to be the best because I kind of think out of all of them, Tim probably has the most eclectic tastes. Mm-hmm. Tim Drake is totally that person who like probably knows a classical piece, but then I also get the impression that uh, Drake is really into jazz. Yep. Um, eclectic is good. You get a you get a good mix. Of- yeah. Probably some deep cuts, but you know, of, some, of quality. Is a oh yeah, no. Tim Drake has a huge collection of B sides. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, it is. Um, um, I think that I would be more apt to listen to playlists put together by Barbara Gordon, though. Why is that? It's especially the the uh, the more um, Batgirl of Burnside hipster take. On, on Barbara. Uh, I uh, friends have uh, commented that my musical tastes are that of a '90s era college student who happens to also be a lesbian that hasn't come out yet. So <laughs> it's oddly specific, uh, but if I'm you often to- called an I'm often called an angsty goth, angsty six year old goth girl, but that secretly loves pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I feel like Grayson would have a really solid collection of music 
from his from him growing up. And mm-hmm. not that he doesn't like new music, but he's always going to go back to bands he grew up with. Like that's yeah. going to be his happy place. Um, I feel like Stephanie Brown would be the fucking queen of pop music, especially like K-pop. Mm-hmm. She would, yeah, she would be relentless in that. Um, Cassandra Kane would listen to music, but none of us have ever heard of. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> ever. Cassandra Kane would be into would- really interesting, like, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, but not, but not like Western bands. It, yeah. she would, she would like. It was like a, like a month ago I rediscovered that Mongolian death metal throat singing band. That's Cassandra mm-hmm. Kane's jam. Yeah, that's her. That uh, that would I feel like that would still be a little too mainstream for Cassandra Kane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like um, I have a friend who puts together playlists like that, and it's like. I've never heard of any of these people. How do you even find this? How did you find this before there was ever an internet? Right. Right? Yeah. Right. Record the, stores. Yep. That's Cassandra Kane's band. Uh and jumping James. around. Uh Carrie Kelly is 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 uh techno and house the whole way. But uh by the and way, I want to point punk. out that I know yeah. only know like one third of these names. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um Carrie Kelly was uh Robin from the Dark Knight series. Cassandra Kane was a bad girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie Brown was spoiler and also Robin and also Batgirl. And also Batgirl. Busy girl. Yeah. It's weird. I've never heard of her. Uh, well, thanks, well, Dan DiDio. I know. No, being, I'm behaving. Behaving. Although I guess he's not uh, I don't there have anymore. I know. No, he's not. He's also a jerk. Uh, I remember when I forgot what artist it was put Stephanie's Robin costume in the Batcave, and he tried to get them to change it to take it away. Hmm. Uh, she was Robin for like basically what five issues, but she looked cool. She was a great Robin. She yeah. was a, a she was a great Batgirl and yeah. erasure of her from the story from canon is a crime because she's just spoiler now, right? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Her father uh, was a super villain. Yeah. Riddle Master? Yeah. Clue Master. Clue Master. Um, I think Kate Kane is also a jazz fan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about Alfred? It's almost cliche to say that Alfred listens to only classical. <laughs> I actually think Alfred is probably a show tunes man. Like he's just quietly going around singing show tunes. He does come from a theater background, if I remember correctly. Oh, then absolutely show tunes. I, I think big band music as well. He I can see that. Yeah. Oh, fun. Put a little jaunt in his step as he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dusting. Dusting away. The 18th chandelier of the day. Right. Or making his famous, uh, I forgot which issue it was, but Grayson pretty much said that his favorite thing he ever made were like, he first thought they were gross until he had them, is that Alfred would make him the uh, the classic British and but- British um, butter and cucumber sandwiches. You said, that you was... said but. Norm says Dick Grayson would totally have a Yacht Rock collection. Oh, he would. Mm-hmm. He absolutely would. And none of them would admit it, but like all of the grown up Titans would all totally secretly meet somewhere, like probably on a boat, on a yacht that, you know, Dick owns. And they order, and you know that they like, they order like really shitty, like Zima knockoffs, like Smirnoff ice. 
and they order pizza and then also like fried tofu bites so they can pretend to be healthy. And then they all just like dance to Christopher Cross on the yacht while getting drunk on Smirnoff Ice. Wow, that was so specific. And I really want to write that one shot now. <laughs> the, tit- the Titans, summer holiday, spring break, Titan. Ah, I want to do that now. The Titans on spring break. There you oh, go. God. Oh, man. Put it on the list. Yeah. You know what? I'm never going to get a gig at DC. Who am I kidding? Are you serious? Um, should we move on to WandaVision? WandaVision. I think this is, this is a good breaking point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. I've got my little synopsis here if y'all are ready. Yeah, go fast. All right. WandaVision, episode four, titled We Interrupt This Program. So we start off with Monica Rambeau waking up in a hospital to learn that she's been missing for five years, during which time her mom died of cancer uh, uh, three years ago. Her mom being Maria Rambeau, head of S.W.O.R.D. Monica returns to S.W.O.R.D., where she also worked, um, but has been limited to terrestrial missions only until more is known about the people who have returned from what they call the blip, what people outside of their universe refer to as the snap. Right. By her mom's order. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. because she was the head of of the organization. Um, and they have a nice little moment where, you know, the, the new director is like, you know what this means though, is that, you know, she believed you would come back. It's a good thing that this rule is in place, but yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like someone goes missing for five years. You don't just like let them back in with all of the same accesses and authority. It's that's risky. You don't know where they've been. They don't know where they've been. <laughs> um, and so because she's on terrestrial missions only, she gets sent out to New Jersey to meet FBI agent Jimmy Woo, played by Randall Park, um, of um, Always Be My Maybe fame, mm-hmm. probably is like his biggest thing right now, um, who is looking for his missing WITSEC person. Uh, his contacts don't know that this guy exists. The town that he's supposed to be at, the local cops don't believe that the town exists. So obviously things are kind of weird. Randall explains that, um, I'm sorry, Jimmy Wu explains like, don't you feel how the town is like pushing you away? Like it doesn't want you to look over here. So Monica decides to try to do a little testing, investigating with uh, an, a drone I wrote droid. That's weird. She's using a drone to try to get a a closer look into the town and it disappears behind an invisible force field, which then she tries to investigate herself and also gets sucked into the invisible force field. From here, we have sort of a divergent, but also like simultaneous plot B. Uh, Representatives from various different government agencies and military branches set up a big old command center outside the town of Westview to investigate what's going on with this forest field in this town. Uh, Dr. Darcy Lewis, uh, played by Kat Dennings in the film, she's in the uh, Marvel films, uh, examines the radiation that's coming off of this forest field, finds that there is a broadcast frequency entwined within the radioactivity, the radiation. And so she has people set her up a cathode ray tube television so that they can pick up this frequency. And they see what we've been watching for the last three, four weeks is 50s, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s era television shows starring Wanda and, uh, and Vision, who they know is dead. They, they, you know, catch that right off of the bat. 
but so they're watching, they're trying to ID the townsfolk because now we know we can clearly see that their names in the show are right. not their real names in real life. These townspeople, um, they see, they find evidence of Monica's drone. They try to communicate. Uh, so the first attempt is with the radio. So that's that scene by the poolside after that little committee meeting. Um, and that was that was Jimmy going, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Uh, and then they notice, well, Kat Dennings notices that there's like a cut in the scene. And so we know what happened in that scene from episode two, but it's cut out of what of the version, the, the frequency that they're picking up on. The right. next thing you see, uh, their next attempt is when they try to send someone in via an underground tunnel. He's in a radioactivity suit. Um, and when he comes out the other side, inside of Westview, he's a beekeeper now. He's covered in bees. Um, so clearly they're starting to sort of put things together. The last thing that uh, happens with them trying to make contact is they see what we saw at the end of episode three, which is... Um, Geraldine visiting with Wanda. The babies have just been born. And then Geraldine makes mention of how Pietro died and uh, Ultron. She mentions Ultron. And then in episode three, that scene gets sort of cut back and forth between what's going on with Wanda and Geraldine inside the house and Vision and the neighbors outside where they're trying to sort of try to tell him what's going on but they either can't or are afraid to in this episode we get to see the full interaction between wanda and geraldine which is that she uh after geraldine sort of slips about ultron uh wanda sort of loses it she says like you're you're an outsider you're a stranger and you're you're intruding and i want you out of here and she blasts geraldine through the wall behind her, through neighbors' walls, through fences, all the way out of town, uh, and through that force field to land out just outside of Westview at night, like we saw at the end of episode three. Right. Um, but that one was much more truncated during episode three. So now we get to see a little bit more of what's what that discussion was and how intentional Wanda's reaction and actions are in that moment. And then another thing that we didn't see at the end of episode three is when Vision comes back inside, Wanda sees him as he appeared when he died in the Age of Ultron movie, just for a moment. And she... Infinity War. Infinity War. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just for a moment. And uh, and I think Vision sort of recognizes that. And he's like, are you okay? Everything's fine. She says, I have everything under control. I... And then we cut to Monica back outside of Westview on the outside, who like is a little bit um, rattled uh, by being flung out of town. Uh, and she wakes up to say, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. Right. I did like at that very end there, um, Vision's starting to figure it out. Even though I believe he's a construct of Wanda, because that scene when he says, are you okay?, he actually looks scared. And that final shot, when it goes back to the sitcom framing, and he's staring right at us, it's that look of like, I have to get out. Like, something's wrong. 
I, I, you know what? I kind of agree with you because um, I rewatched that scene from episode three so that I could see the vision stuff. Mm-hmm. And the neighbors are outside trying to explain, you know, who Geraldine is. And, um, and he's, he responds in such a way that implies like he has no idea that this is going on and recognizes that something is wrong, which yeah. is weird if, if he is a construct. Well, he's a construct in that I think Wanda created him, but with Wanda's powers, she's making a 100% perfect version of Vision, who would have his own free will and begin to put shit together. Only right. thing she can't create is the gem. Mm-hmm. That's, that is not going to have any of those powers, but... um. Yeah, I really liked how this episode, it answered enough of the questions that we needed answering. It didn't lay it all out, but it brought us into the story a little bit more. It didn't say, like, this is what's happening. It it didn't undo the mystery, but it made the mystery, I think, a bit more interesting to follow, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel like... They basically, I mean, not, there's still a chance that there's more elements to this that we haven't seen, but in my yeah. mind, they have confirmed the fan theories that we've sort of been touching on the last couple of weeks. It's like, this is all Wanda's doing. Um, it's, you know, the people are being controlled and I mean, there's still not a really good explanation uh, of the whole television episodic aspect of it but but they've established that yes this i feel like they've established that it's wanda who is doing this and it's controlling everybody yeah they haven't explained why the tv part yet um i do like that we now kind of know this is basically like just a couple weeks after endgame it's not that far out Yes. Uh, because she mentions that she's only been she's only been back for like two or three weeks and she's back at sword. And the snap, that's the Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's when the Hulk snaps to bring everybody back at what, the two-third mark of Endgame or whatever. Um mm-hmm. so which also yeah. got me thinking that like so Spider-Man Far From Home is six months after the blip. Mm-hmm. And Peter Parker has that one, he asked that one thing in Nick Fury, like, how come you don't just get like Doctor Strange to deal with these elementals and Strange, and and Fury says, he's a little busy right now. Which makes me think Strange is going to tie even more into WandaVision since Multiverse of Madness is the next movie they're doing, Mm. they're releasing. Which then also got me, that also got me to revisit uh, Doctor Strange, and I forgot that line that Mordo has towards the end and says, too many sorcerers. Um, yeah, I think, I think those are the two that are really intertwining now. And then what's, and then what's it? Elizabeth Olsen said on an interview today that be ready for WandaVision to have a cameo as similar as Skywalker in the Mandalorian. Right. I did hear that. And I'm not sure, like, like what, who would you consider comparable? In terms of the MCU, it's either going to be, I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing that's going to make people freak the fuck out would be Tony Stark in one way or another. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> which makes me wonder if she recreates Tony Stark towards the end and you get Robert Downey Jr. back. And there's a moment of like, you brought everyone back but Vision. Yeah, that's... And not Natasha. even that invest. Right. Nata- yeah. Oh, Natasha. So She was the sacrifice. Oh, I still hated that. Yeah. Let's... Have either of you rewatched Age of Ultron or Captain Marvel? Mm-mm. Not Captain Marvel. I did rewatch... Well... I watch Age of Ultron in chunks. That movie drags a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch the pertinent scenes of Age of Ultron and the party in the beginning because I love that scene. <laughs> it's good. It's a good yeah. scene. It's yeah. it's still. I think it it's impressive that that party. Well, it just seems like it's just fun. Is tied directly into the whole. Um, why do we trust Vision? scene later in the movie mm-hmm. like you have to do that scene in order for the scene visions introduction to work so like as WandaVision has gone on I've gone back and rewatched these because it, it reminds me of things that I've forgotten like um, I'm trying to link who in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has powered directly their powers are in direct relation to an infinity stone. Um, Wanda, Pietro, and Vision were all the mind stone. Because oh. Wanda and, and uh, Pietro were experimented on, right? Experimented on um, using the scepter. Right. And the scepter contained the mind stone. The mind stone then directly powered Vision. Um, and uh, Carol Danvers, her powers come from the Tesseract, which was used in the experimental engine that Marvell was creating on Earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those four, those four, all have uh, direct links to their powers. Directly come from Infinity Stones, which is why they're so powerful. Right. Um. And I think that's why Wanda and Captain Marvel get put on the same power level. Um, sorry, I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, How they're all linked up, or yeah, I I think that. And like, I think that's why that's part and parcel of why. Wanda and Vision are so tied together. It's not just a, a romance between them. It's it's not. There is. They were made from the same thing, so that's part of their interconnectivity. And that's right. also why she can't just bring him back. And I think it's also part of it is that Vision is always, you know, he he, he loves Wanda. I mean, he always has. It's mm-hmm. kind of implied, like from the moment he sees her, he feels a kinship that way. But I also went back and rewatched Civil War and there's that whole scene where he tells her like, we can't be a part of this. You know, we can't. And he basically, and she says, wait, are you, are you here as my partner or my jailer? And he's like, I, he's like, don't make me pick. It's like, don't make me pick that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's always kind of been the thing with Wanda is that she's a great character, but there's a, her, her powers come from trauma. Like everything, unfortunately about her is very trauma fueled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then she loses her, she loses her twin brother, you know, uh, and also her, you know, her town gets dropped. Like <laughs> Wanda's not had a good run of it as it were. Mm-hmm. But she also is potentially the most powerful character in the MCU because she can literally alter reality with like a word. Right. Uh, you know. Sorry. That was part of the link. Um, she makes a comment about why she has such hatred. Both she and Pietro have such hatred towards the Avengers. And it had to do with uh, a piece of ordinance that crashed into their house when they were kids. And they were trapped in the house. He said, we, we waited for two days for Tony Stark to kill us because it was a Stark warhead. Right. Did not remember that. It was yeah. stuck in their house and they were stuck in the house and they just sat there waiting for this bomb to go off. And all they did was stare at the word Stark yeah. for two days. And this would have been like even pre Iron Man. Yes. You know, yeah. When, so, when he was a full-on warmonger. <laughs> so having Tony Stark come in would fit the bill of that would be a Luke Skywalker entrance, but it would also be weird mm-hmm. because that is not the character that she had the most connection with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm trying but to think it, who it would be. But it does sort of... there is There's the trauma connection. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, like, I, I think... The logical explanation, baseline explanation, is that this is a a, tr- a response to just like back to back traumatic experiences. First, your brother, then Vision, uh, and just just all of it. And it would be it would make for pretty compelling storytelling, I think, if it were in fact Tony Stark uh, slash Iron Man who showed up. Uh, as the cameo character because because specifically because it's maybe not the best person to help get her out of it because there's going to be an animosity response there and that could make for like a really complicated episode of he's here to help she because she's so raw with everything that's happened she's going to revert back to like fear and hatred of Stark and and respond negatively and then he has to get her over that hump in order to be able to help her. I can see where that would be a compelling way to go. Right. Uh, I would actually put money on uh Clint Barton. Really? Yep. Hmm. Clint because of Age of Ultron, Clint Barton is the reason that she's an Avenger. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, like Pietro died saving his life. Right. So that I think there's there's a history there. Um, I think another dark horse would be old man Steve Rogers. I was thinking that too. Um There we go. That that would be a Luke Skywalker level cameo. Mm-hmm. Especially because- since this especially since the next show is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. Mm. There you go. So you can do the tie-in. 
Now there was those rumors that Steve Rogers, that, that Chris Evans was coming back for like one more little project as Captain America. And he's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. No one's talked to me. Well, maybe he's not coming back as fucking Captain America, but you're going to walk. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. If you want someone to walk her back, old man Rogers would do it. Mm-hmm. Cause he's also someone else that has dealt with a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. And also he has that sort of nature where, like Tony Stark is just as likely to piss you off as make you feel better. Right. But Steve Rogers is, is more of a like big brother. I'm going to help, you know, help you. Yeah. I could do Bye. this all day. <laughs> um, yeah. This definitely has, like Norm says, this is now making the gumbo interesting kind of thing. Yep. You know, um, I, I, I do recommend rewatching, uh, after seeing episode four of WandaVision, rewatch Captain Marvel. Um, because you get so much of what happens with, uh, Maria Rambeau and Nick Fury while they're in space provides all the backstory you need as to why did Maria Rambeau found sword? Oh, oh, because she knows what's in space. Yeah. Mm. She knows what's out there. Right. And don't forget that the Nick Fury that we saw in Far From Home isn't even Nick Fury. No. That's a sculpt. Yeah. Nick Fury's been in space for, well, ever since. I'm assuming that was Nick Fury at the funeral of Endgame, that that wasn't the scroll. I'm yeah. assuming he came back for that. Yeah. But, but somewhere between one to three months in, he's left Earth. Yeah. And has been working with the scrolls. Yeah, secretly at that left Earth, hence why a scroll. Well, both of them, uh, uh, Maria and Fury, are both scrolls on Earth. Mm-hmm. Maria Hill, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a, it's it's been a fun little mix for them to throw off too. I also I might be reading too much into this. I think we got a slight little hint about where the Fantastic Four came from in this episode. Really? Because oh. the the acting director of Sword talks about how they're now doing stuff in like how they're doing, they're no longer doing manned missions, but that part of their exploration is the quantum realm. Mm. I'm wondering if the fantastic four in this new version, when they enter the MCU officially didn't go to space, but went into the quantum realm and got their powers there and got their powers there. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of cosmic rays. Right. Yeah. Um, which has also be kind of ingenious in that do we really need the origin of the Fantastic Four? Like you can just cut to them here. Yeah. We didn't need the origin story of Spider-Man. Yeah. And we didn't get it this time, which was so good. Yes. It was wonderful. Because um, we, we know what it is. We've yeah. seen it so many times. Yep. You could literally do the Fantastic Four as like the opening credits. And mm-hmm. almost do it like a almost do it like a streaming like everyone's streaming to watch. We're taking these four their first ever quantum astronauts, quantum knots or whatever, and and, and then it goes all static and they they show up and they're already in their like they just show up in the costumes like you just do a quick cut. They're in the costumes in front of the Baxter Building and it just goes it just goes four it just the title hits and then the movie's up and running. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, that's why I think my favorite was um, 
when Grant Morrison did his All Star Superman, how he did the origin in one page. Him and the, him and the um, what was it? Uh, doomed planet, last son, loving family, Superman. <laughs> yep. Okay. Thanks. That's all you need. <laughs> uh, I do agree with the the chat that having Cat uh, Dennings reprise her role as Darcy, uh, Randall Park reprising his role as Jimmy Woo and uh, bringing in, I forget the actress's name that's playing Monica Rambeau, like bringing in these tertiary characters from uh, the other movies Mm -hmm. and letting them shine as what they do best. It's like, that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Kat Dennings is still one of my favorite things about Thor and Thor the Dark World. (laughs) She tends to be a highlight in anything she's in, even though she's rarely the lead in anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know Christian said that he would watch a spinoff of just Jimmy Woo and Darcy. Um, what's her last name again? Lewis. Cat Dennings. Lewis. Oh, Cat Dennings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this. I love Jimmy's little card scene. Little Ant Man shout out. The Jimmy Woo. <laughs> it's awesome. I like the version of Jimmy Woo that we're we're getting in the MCU. I would still like this. Like, I really hope he gets any sort of screen time in Shang-Chi. Right. Um, I know that it's not the same Jimmy Woo that's in the comics because that would be too much to explain. (laughs) Right, yes. I love how you get to learn a lot about that character by accident because he just misunderstands the questions. Oh, yeah. Well, but the like in the comics, Jimmy Woo is oh, a okay. super spy from the nineteen yeah, fifties who is cable, never what aged. If, what if he's like, oh, this is yeah. his type of deep cover, so he plays the bumbling FBI, and that the whole fucking time he has been organizing agents of Atlas. I would pay real money. Oh my god, I would, I would pay real money for, and that, that would need to be a show, not a movie. Oh yeah, agents and, of Atlas, yeah. and that there would be. That would be the one Marvel show that I would pull any fucking favor I had left to be like, I need to get into that writer's room. I loved that book so much. So here's the question. Which Agents of Atlas do you want to see? I mean, my heart's always going to be Parker's run. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just because anything Parker does will inevitably involve a giant gorilla with handguns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it will. Uh, I loved Parker's run. But I like the idea of them pretending to still be bad guys. Yep. I I would love to see that as well. But I have to say, man, I I would pay real money to also see Greg Pak's Agents of Atlas. The uh, all Asian. I know. Well, that was, um. when did that come out? Like two years ago. Yeah. And, and that's the- fine. We could still have a giant gorilla, right? Yeah, well, okay. both agents of At- both teams still existed. Just Jimmy right. kept lying about which team was real, which or which who which team was which. Um, but that one was born out of the uh, the crossover issue in, um, or not crossover, but the team up issue in Totally Awesome Hulk, where it was right. all the Asian superheroes getting together to promote something in in Chinatown and then they all went and got BB map afterwards. And then 
aliens stole an entire neighborhood and so they had to band together yeah but that was like that was kamal khan uh or kamal khan Hmm? wasn't that also part of an actual like real health initiative yes it was yeah it was it was like a i don't want to call it a psa comic that's doing it a a disservice but there was a little bit to that no but there was it was for um bone marrow uh, donations yeah which asian americans need to donate get to or get typed and donate bone marrow because that's apparently one of the biggest missing components in donor bone marrow are is from asian americans right oh that's right because there's the agents of atlas and the other team is the new agents of atlas Mm -hmm. they full-on acknowledge that the other team is still out there yep jimmy's still running that team he just he let amadeus run the new ones and like just do the thing yeah don't don't mind me over here i'm still playing spy games with giant dragons i love amadeus cho he's great he's great um i just have the soft spot for the weird shit like i don't even know if anyone read it but over in dc when they did the terrifics which is basically them doing the fantastic (laughs) four but with mr terrific i love that book you give me weird science and superheroes and i'm just giddy that was full of it yeah that's good that was a weird group (laughs) the terrifics yes yes and it was wonderful plastic man mr terrific uh metamorpho yep metamorpho and and phantom lass yeah like okay (laughs) well that was it was um jeff lemaire Mm -hmm. he 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 pitched a fantastic four idea and marvel said no so he went over to dc and went yeah but all right what if i do this it's like (laughs) sure here's a bag of money and a comic go nuts Right. Oh, oh, you actually, oh, you're doing all the weird things. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good way to end the show, right? Weird things. So. Weird things. <laughs> One division has only been on for three weeks. Four oh. weeks. No, no. It's two been episodes four episodes. Oh, that's right. At the same right. time. Three uh, weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we only get like a week between that and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Hmm. All right. So, yeah, I'm still all in on one division. It's it's really weird, but I like it. Yeah, it's fun. And after tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, it'll be my only like fun show that I catch on a weekly basis because this Wednesday is the last episode of The Expanse. No, I know I got a lot to cram into one episode. <laughs> I know there's. A, I think there's only supposed to be one more season after that. But once that's done, I'm probably going to reread all the books. Yeah, we can talk about that on another show. That's another deep dive. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, huge thanks to uh, Andrew and Nicola. Great, you know, yeah, syncing all that up, getting everybody on the on the on the zooms there. That was fun. Yeah, Go they're uh, they're both a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next week is the one week in February we don't have a guest, I believe. So it's just us. Sorry, guys. Nah, we'll be fine. We'll think of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Uh, well, with that all being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Trail off. Well, I got to unmirror my sight. Get it on. Get it on the camera. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>